Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, here today with an update on Xbox Times Activision, which should be a shorter episode in the grand scheme of things. No six-hour, seven-hour, three-hour streams here today, but that is a very important one to highlight what appears to be a change in strategy, or at least a chosen strategy, by Xbox in particular with the European Union and the European Commission that is evaluating the merger for Europe on the whole. Now, this will be the 49th episode in this playlist, so if you're interested in every twist, turn, up, down, what have you, in this entire saga throughout 2022, please do check out the entirety of the thing. I think it runs for more than a day of length now, so there's a lot to cover in all sorts of aspects of this transaction. But as I said, today's an important day because Microsoft appears to have a new direction they wish to travel. Now, it was only about a week ago when we looked at a New York Times article that was pretty long, it was a big blowout of what was happening with respect to Microsoft and Activision, but that had a tiny little kernel of information in the middle of it that I think some people skipped, but is obviously now at the top of everybody's minds. Now, the thumbnail on your screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, says 10 years, question mark, exclamation point. And that's because in that New York Times article, there was a single sentence that said the following. Microsoft said that on November 11th, just a couple of weeks ago, it offered Sony a 10-year deal to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, and Sony declined to comment on that particular offer. Now, that was important because Sony has, throughout this process now, argued to regulators in the U.S., argued to regulators in the U.K., argued to regulators in the European Union itself that there was a big problem with this potential transaction because Sony was dependent on Call of Duty and that without Call of Duty, the gaming industry would collapse in on itself like a dying star. Now, I've obviously covered Sony's statements on this and I find them to be a little bit less than fully reputable uh, on these particular questions, but Sony has made some headway pushing this point. And so Microsoft going out and promising a year requirement in the tech industry that is very long indeed, 10 years, is more than a generation of time for the console landscape. And Sony refusing to comment suggested that Microsoft wanted to continue a path towards looking like a white knight in the industry. And we've seen this since January, since February, through the summer of this year, in a number of things that Microsoft has decided to do. On February 9th, Microsoft put in their blog, Adapting Ahead of Regulation, a principled approach to app stores, in which Microsoft tried to position itself as essentially the good guys against the Apples and Googles of the world on the side of the Coalition for App Fairness and Tim Sweeney and Epic and a lot of the other things we've talked about in virtual legality. Not so much because Epic and Tim Sweeney or the Coalition for App Fairness have the right of it overall, but because regulators and legislative bodies have taken a certain look at what Epic has offered and said, yeah, we think there's a potential problem with the way that Apple and Google treat their stores. And so Microsoft says, okay, while you're evaluating our overall Activision deal, which they mentioned right here in the opening paragraph to this blog post, you might want to think of us as part of the good guys. We are also trying to break open and make sure that monopolies in mobile don't take over everybody's economic arrangements. And we're going to be one of those parties that has enough money and enough wherewithal to help break down the doors, just like Epic. They put that out February 9th, just about a month after they announced the Activision deal. Now, as the summer wore on, we started to get things like senatorial letters arguing that the FTC really needs to examine the Activision deal because employees won't be benefiting or other folks of that nature. And so Microsoft did what it did here 
and said, all right, we're going to co-opt that whole process. We're going to give the CWA, the union that's been working to unionize aspects, portions of Activision, Blizzard, and King, we're going to tell them we're going to recognize everything on that basis. We're going to go so far as to say we're going to maintain our neutrality. We're not even going to get involved with trying to prevent the unionization of Activision. And in so doing, they got CWA, that union, to adopt Microsoft's stance to go tell the FTC, we're wrong. We got the agreement that we wanted to get, and now you should move forward with this deal. To which the FTC apparently responded, per the New York Times article, well, that contracts can be avoided and that companies make lots of promises and they don't always keep them. Now, that's a problem in and of itself if you're Microsoft, but you can start to see through all of 2022 that Microsoft had a strategy in mind. It's a strategy I've mentioned in this space before, and that strategy is to take whoever is going to be the most vociferous, the most potentially problematic, and against the deal that you want to close with Activision, and ask what they want and get them on your side. Hey, if you've got an issue with mobile app stuff, regulators, legislatures, whoever it might be, we're the guys that are on your side at Microsoft. You've got a problem with the way employees are treated at Activision. You're worried about our unionization prevention efforts, either at the main company in Microsoft or what we might do when Activision joins our company. Don't you worry about that. We are going to keep that union in place and we're not going to fight it. We're going to be neutral towards it. And you also see from articles that have now been released and from arguments in those articles that you can see between Phil Spencer, head of Xbox and Jim Ryan, head of PlayStation, that one of the things Xbox tried to do was get in front of this Call of Duty issue and Sony being a kind of loud and proud, angry party to what this deal represents for them. And they failed at that. So Xbox had managed to co-opt basically everybody involved on all of these fronts, but when they start talking about phone calls and emails and tweets exchanged between those parties back in January, February, March, and on throughout the year, Sony decided at some point over the course of this year that they could argue to actually have the deal scuttled, going so far as we talked about in that three-hour stream last week to say that the only answer to a deal of this type is to prevent the deal entirely because Activision needs to stay independent for there to be a good, thriving gaming industry at all. Now, obviously, I am on record, on tape, thinking that that goes far too far, insofar as I don't view this deal as one that actually risks the entirety of the gaming industry or all of the things that are a part of that gaming industry. But Sony has found in the CMA, in the UK level, the European Commission at some level, and what we imagine is likely the FTC at the American level, some sympathy towards that particular complaint, and they've decided to run it as far as possible, which leads us back to the process we're looking at right now. So as we examine what the European Commission is doing, this is the regulatory body responsible for deciding whether this deal can go through as it pertains to Europe and European citizens. They have also entered the equivalent of phase two, as described by the United Kingdom and the CMA, to more fulsomely investigate this deal. And they outlined a few areas that they were concerned with, mirroring some of Sony's statements, adding a bit of their own, but primarily, or as they say, in particular, the commission is concerned that by acquiring Activision Blizzard, Microsoft may foreclose access to Activision Blizzard console and PC video games, especially to high profile and highly successful games such as Call of Duty. This is the top line item that the European Commission actually mentions. And then they go and talk about foreclosure strategies for Game Pass and cloud services, which are a little bit more difficult to actually articulate at any of these regulatory levels, because it's hard to imagine that they are completely separate markets from game distribution on the whole. That'll be something that Microsoft has to worry about in the future. But it also is suggestive of what the European Commission and what Microsoft itself might be willing to concede to on this front. And so when we go back and look at what was leaked to the New York Times, 
it starts to become apparent that perhaps this offer was to get it highlighted in public, shown to places here, like virtual legality on YouTube, in various quarters of folks that are talking about this deal seemingly every day, but also to prep that Sony is out there rejecting this deal, or at least not accepting it on the speediness that you would expect for a company that says that their existence depends on access to this game, and prepping for what they view as a potential outlet to try to move things a little bit more in their favor. And I've pulled up what the competition policy in the European Commission is, and they accept remedies throughout phase one or phase two as proposals to fix things that they might have a problem with. So when you already have a statement from the European Commission that says, here are the things we have a problem with, we're going to have to actually investigate these more to consider whether or not these are actually true because it was a very preliminary investigation through phase one. But we also have a process by which companies may offer remedies in phase one or in phase two, and we can allow the deal to go through if there's been remedies that we think are successful in accommodating whatever our competition concerns might be, all which lead to this Reuters exclusive Microsoft likely to offer European Union concessions soon in Activision deal. Now you might say, Rick, you just said that Microsoft didn't offer concessions at the space between the phase one and the phase two in the United Kingdom and the phase one and phase two in the European Union because they don't want to negotiate against themselves and they don't. But as this process has proceeded, you've started to get certain inklings of what it is that Microsoft is facing. Sony is absolutely unwilling to agree to anything, at least as they've presented to the CMA in their most recent statement. So now Sony is not an actor that you have to think about placating if you're Microsoft. Instead, you have to think about placating the regulators specifically. Sony's never going to be on your side. You're not going to be able to make the CWA out of them. And so you reconsider. You offer them 10 years because in the back of your mind, you don't think they're going to accept. And in the back of your mind at Microsoft, you're probably looking at it and thinking, well, we actually do want Call of Duty on PlayStation. It's a giant brand. It would cost us a lot to take it out and make it an exclusive. The CMA's math is completely wrong on that. We've talked about that at length in this space. And since we already do want to do that, we can look very generous, beneficent, white knights, again, like with Google and Apple and labor unions and whatever else regulators or politicians might be concerned with. And we can do it in a way that looks even better once we have that public information out there. So about 18 days ago, they offer 10 years. They know Sony's going to reject it because Sony is acting a little bit crazy. We have to be honest about that. And the CMA note that they had put forth in October is exactly what Microsoft is looking at at the same time. So now Microsoft has a situation where they've got three regulators all signaling that they're likely to do something about this deal. We just yesterday went over some of the leaks from Politico and Bloomberg suggesting that the FTC in the United States wants to at least consider suing over this deal, whether that's a portion of trying to negotiate for concessions or a legitimate blocking lawsuit. We don't know yet. But now Microsoft is saying, okay, how do we start to get these regulators kind of synchronized? How do we start working with them? And they look for leverage. And interestingly enough, this is very interesting to me uh, as a corporate lawyer that has looked at these regulatory bodies now for almost two decades. The European Union has long been one of those regulatory bodies that is a primary concern to getting a major deal done. Uh, that very often the DOJ or the FTC would be okay with it in the US. Uh, but when you get to the European Union, you'd have bigger problems. Here, with these three regulatory bodies, it appears, it appears that Microsoft has decided that the European Union are the ones that are the most likely to be reasoned with, 
Whether or not you agree with Microsoft is up to you, but from Microsoft's perspective, more pliable, more willing to sit in a room and discuss remedies, concessions, or whatever you want to call them, depending on your jurisdiction. And so it looks like they're going to move forward by trying to set a framework in the European Union first and foremost. So let's see what Reuters reports. Microsoft is likely to offer remedies to EU antitrust regulators in the coming weeks to stave off formal objections to its bid for Call of Duty maker Activision. People familiar with the matter said. Now, we always have to take with a grain of salt. We've got anonymous sources here. They're not allowed to speak on behalf of the European Commission, but certainly it would be difficult to understand where you're going to get information about this kind of thing, except from Microsoft or the European Commission. Now, the European Commission probably doesn't know the specifics about what Microsoft plans to submit vis-a-vis information or remedy proposals or anything else like that. So this sounds like it's internal to Microsoft. Certainly, Microsoft was willing to talk to the New York Times. And now we have to start evaluating these news items, kind of the opposite of how we evaluated the Politico and Bloomberg items yesterday, which sounded for all the world like FTC folks were leaking information that they probably wanted known as part of that. Here, Microsoft appears to be setting the stage for information. They are giving a quote to the New York Times. We offered them 10 years. They are now people familiar with the matter of what Microsoft's plans are, which could come from the European Commission, but are more likely to come from Microsoft. And so we start to see a public relations battle happening in real time. Microsoft tells Reuters yesterday, well, we think we're probably going to offer this, or at least that's what it appears to be based on the anonymous sourcing. Now, Reuters describes the deal as follows. Microsoft has since faced regulatory headwinds in the European Union, Britain, and in the United States, with Sony criticizing the deal and even calling for a regulatory veto. And I think it's great that Reuters noted that. I don't know that every report caught that Sony had really escalated the stakes in that latest CMA statement. They had originally asked basically for Call of Duty. Now they're asking for Call of Duty on PlayStation Plus and also... If you can get it up to speed, regulators, you should veto the deal in its entirety rather than even give it to us on PlayStation Plus. And so when we're looking at those things from afar and we evaluate these deals, Sony is really not a party that you can reason with if you're trying to look at these things in Microsoft boardroom. The deadline for the European Commission, which is investigating the deal to set out a formal list of competition concerns known as a statement of objection, is in January. So we saw this with the CMA. They get done with their phase one. They set up exactly what it is they're looking for in their phase two, and they put forward that phase two investigation based on that. Offering remedies before such a document is issued could shorten the regulatory process, says Reuters. Ultimately, such a move could secure an early clearance with the European Commission and subsequently be used by the parties before other antitrust agencies, said Stephanie Deneau, a partner at law firm McDermott Will and Emery. And these other jurisdictions, it's important to note, they do not have to take under advisement or listen to or otherwise follow anything any other regulator does, but they also don't want to be out there standing in the cold politically alone on these particular issues. So if the European Union and the European Commission that is traditionally known as one of the more staunch Uh, advocates for avoiding mergers and tech combinations and really looking at things pretty closely from an antitrust perspective decides to allow this deal that they are convinced by some of the concessions that Microsoft would offer in this context. Well, then certainly Microsoft can spin that around and say, are you really going to go to this alone, United Kingdom? Are you really going to go through this alone, Federal Trade Commission? They might find that they do, but they would have additional leverage going through this process. So as I said at the top of looking through this article, one of the more interesting things to me on this is actually Microsoft thinking that the European Union are the ones most likely to be reasoned with on this score. That in and of itself is kind of a sea change for how tech companies in the future might decide 
to argue this from a regulatory perspective. Now, in terms of the commentary here, they do continue with a quote, it remains to be seen whether the active complainants will validate such concessions, in particular in terms of scope, and if behavioral remedies will also be accepted by the CMA and the FTC. Now, I think active complainants there is a reference to Sony. Also important to understand, Sony isn't actually a party to any of this. They are an industry participant that is informing these regulatory bodies as to what these regulators should care about. Whether or not they do adopt Sony's stances is up to them. Uh, And Sony doesn't really have the power to accept or disprove of a deal of this type. So they aren't the final arbiters, but it's almost certain that these regulators would at least discuss with Sony, who is by far the loudest and realistically the only industry participant that is arguing against this deal, that if they get X amount of years, if they get some other concession related to how Microsoft operates, are they going to be okay with it? Finally, Reuters gives exactly what we were talking about with respect to the New York Times and why this setup happened and how it's been a PR fight. The entirety of these kind of two weeks Microsoft's remedy would consist mainly of a 10-year licensing deal to PlayStation owner Sony, another person with direct knowledge said. So the primary, the centerpiece of what Microsoft wants to offer is exactly what it told the New York Times it had already offered to Sony. So part of what's happening here is that Microsoft wants to establish itself as the good guys. We're being reasoned. 10 years is a very long time in tech. Sony doesn't necessarily want to take it because they think they can scuttle this deal, but that isn't the kind of remedy that should be necessary in a deal of this type, where we're very uh, much not a monopolist. We don't have considerable market power in gaming overall. You're trying to find these other markets. Maybe we can address some of those concerns with you separately. But if we're really concerned about Sony and the gaming industry, period, the existence of rivalry in console space, potentially in subscription service space at all, then you, European Union, should look at this and take it under advisement as a very serious offer, even though Sony won't accept it on its own. They're going to need some regulatory push to get this done. And note, if we're Microsoft, no, we're not trying to leverage this situation. We could easily say, look, Sony isn't serious about the existential crisis that this deal represents, or they would have taken this deal and not risked their entire existence based on maybe not getting any kind of concessions from a regulatory body. We're not going to leverage that. We're going to offer you the same thing that we offered Sony. We're going to talk about it. We think this is more than fair. And we would ask you to kind of get this going forward more quickly in order to talk to the other regulators on that score. Now, I've also mentioned in this space that one of the things you want to do as Microsoft is kind of synthesize the concessions. You don't want different jurisdictions asking for wildly different things. So that's also part and parcel of the process right now. And we just don't know what Microsoft is hearing vis-a-vis the FTC, the CMA, and even here, the European Commission. So it does represent a change in Microsoft's strategy and also a continuance of an earlier strategy. Go figure out who you can co-opt, figure out who you can convince to join your side. And if it's some party as big as the European Union, the European Commission itself, well, then you're going to have a lot of leverage, at least logically, intuitively, rhetorically, in discussing these kinds of concepts with these other jurisdictions and these other bodies. Are they going to succeed on this? I couldn't rightly say, but the fact that they're trying and the fact that they're getting this information out, again, speculative, but it certainly sounds like it's Microsoft getting this information out to places like the New York Times and places like Reuters suggests that they have given up on trying to convince Sony at all, and I think rightly so based on what Sony has said, and are now going to try to talk to the regulators 
on a reasoned discourse basis, since they're the good guys in this. You don't have to agree with them at all, but that's certainly how they wish to present themselves to these regulatory bodies. If you enjoy these kinds of conversations about business, law, video games, technology, and more, please consider supporting the channel at Utreon or at Patreon, or just becoming a YouTube member here. Every little bit helps support the channel, including just subscribing and telling your friends. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.